I don't know about you guys, but I don't mind the buff. You know? I like being buff. I, I just like to pretend that people's clothes are literally a part of their body and no one ever gets naked. That You know what? I would prefer that world so much. Yeah. That would be the best. Can we just... Can we get that going? You can uh, You can be a part of this fantasy, Brandon. All you gotta do is step into the magic. Yeah, Every once in a while when I'm in the shower, I'm like... What am I? What am I doing in here without my clothes? I'm gonna get wet. Yes. Every once in a while, that that thought crosses my mind. It's probably like once every other month. It's so weird, but that's oh, an actual man. thing that happens in, inside of my brain. I think we're ready to start the show. We have enough viewers. Okay. All, All right. right. Let's kick it. It's episode 80 of the Insert Credit Podcast. I'm Alex Jaffe, and the video game website I visit most often these days is GameRankings.com. Oh, GR.C. Oh, man. Uh, I'm Frank Cifaldi, and the video game website I visit most often, um, the front page of Polygon.com. F-B-O-P-D-C. Mm-hmm. My name is Tim Rogers, and the video game website I visit most often is... Uh, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I guess it's Twitter, because I follow way too many video game people. But aside from that, it would be, uh, I have Kotaku just open in a tab, and I look at it, and I just go, lol, and then I look away from it. Uh, I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I guess probably the video game website I visit the most often is Moby Games, to look up credits. Yeah. Oh, nice. I think, I think that's probably the thing that I do the most. I think it's the destination I go to the most, but... Uh... Yeah. Well, like, and 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 I do want to clarify that uh, this is not a normal person thing to do. I consider it's a character flaw of mine. But I go to polygon.com to get mad at the headlines and how bad they are. Mm. <laughs> like I, it's it's like how you know people people like to get mad about stuff on the internet. That's where I go to get mad is Polygon's headlines. I really wish that I still uh, could remember to go to game websites and find out what's going on, but. I don't remember, and as a result, I feel like I'm, I'm drifting further and further away from the mainstream video game stuff. It's like, oh man, this new hotly anticipated game's coming out, and I'm like, oh man, that's I didn't even know that game existed. Well, you know, Titanfall. the thing is, I go Titanfall to I, knew. I go to uh, yeah. video game websites basically every day, and I don't know what's going on. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. know, like like reporting on what's going on is not. Uh, I, I don't know. Like they all report on it, but but it gets lost among the other crap. So it's really hard to go somewhere and actually find out what's going on. Yeah, well, lucky for us, this isn't a video game news podcast. This is just a video game podcast. I, I feel very fortunate. Video game news. I think an ideal, uh, um, one of the ideal formats of a podcast question in this show is Jaffe. You present us the video game news. And we use you as our video game news anchor, and then we discuss the news we just heard. I like when you do that with a question. I'll take that feedback. When it's like, so you guys, this week this thing happened, and we're like, what? Yeah, Yeah. I like that too. Yeah, that that, that is fun when that happens. I really think that ideally there should be two questions like that every week. I'm just saying. I think that those always are entertaining to discuss. Two? I'll take that into consideration. Take your one out during this podcast. 
Yeah, how about we uh, How about we go on to the question I actually put up for the show? Okay, Just do it, man. Just All right, break it off, man. Our, Twist it off. Topic. Uh, what makes for a good post mortem discussion? Oh, oh. PMD. Uh, honesty. Yeah. And uh, an interesting story. I think the w- one of the problems with post mortems is sometimes number one that people are trying to hide some things and they don't want to tell all the truth about stuff. But number two, they don't know where the interesting part of their story is a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. And uh, and so it, it can sometimes take a third party to draw that out of them. Um, not, not, not knowing where the interesting part of the story is actually kind of speaks to their being sort of a genuine person in some cases. You know, It's like, oh, this that's just a, a nice person who doesn't yeah. try to think about their yeah. video game in terms of the hot angles. Mm-hmm. Coat um, angles. I remember this is a story uh, about my days in AAA video game development. Uh, you, Brandon, you once asked if uh, Goichi Suda wanted to write a postmortem of No More Heroes. Oh yeah, I remember this. And, I remember uh, this too. This is terrible. Uh, have I? I've never told this story, so I'm going to tell this uh, like in public. Yeah. Uh, so I presented like like Brandon had just emailed me, and he's like, "Hey, why don't you ask Goichi Suda if he wants to do a No More Heroes postmortem?" And I was like, hmm. And, you know, Suda walks in with, like, a big bag from the Adidas store, and he's just bought, like, a bunch of shoes, and he just sits down at his desk and takes his big headphones off. And I'm like, hey, Suda, you know Game Developer Magazine. You know Brandon, right? He's like, heck yeah. And I'm like, Brandon wants to know if you want to write a uh, a post-mortem of the game of uh, No More Heroes. And he's just like, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh, it means, uh, and I got an issue of Game Developer Magazine. I'm like, well, you see, you do five things that went right and five things that went wrong. And then he's like, why would I want to talk about things that went wrong? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, a lot of stuff did go wrong, right? I mean, you could talk about that. And he's like, I don't want to talk about that. And he's like, what would I say about things that go right? What does it say here in this about this game? And I'm like, well, they're like, we had a good time. We It took us a long time to figure this thing out. And he's like, why should other people uh, get my advice for free? Like, why would I do that? But what really bothered him was the whole... Uh, why would we talk about what went wrong? We can't. We can't show weakness. You know, we're we're a Japanese company. We we can't. Yeah. Show well, weakness. also he was mad that I even asked. Yeah, and then ultimately, upon ruminating over it for about twenty four hours, he came back to me and was like, uh, "I don't want to do that post mortem thing." And I'm like, "Oh, I already told Brandon. You kind of didn't seem into it." And he's like, "Well, tell him that I don't want to do it." And then I'm like, <laughs> wow. "Okay." And then he's like, "Wait, actually, don't tell him that. Just don't mention it again." I'm like, "Okay." And then I did tell Brandon, yeah, he doesn't want to do it because yeah. uh, he doesn't want to show weakness. So that's why No More Heroes 2 was so great. <laughs> <laughs> and why Shadows of the Darned won what it won base. It got like 10 out of 10 from everybody, didn't it? Right, yeah. yeah. It was just the most beloved video game ever made. Sure. Couldn't stop Kill- playing. Killer is Dead. Killer is Dead got like 75 different game of the year awards, didn't it? So there oh, you go. It certainly did. Uh, lauded for generations to come. Uh, what? How many awards did uh, No More Heroes Cheerleader get? I forget. Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah. No more. No more Cheeros. No, no more Cheeros. That's uh, believe it or not, that's, that's actually what I was calling it while it was being made. <laughs> I I was actually calling it no. More, I said we should call it No More Cheeros, and Suda's like, "That's not funny," and I'm like, "Oh come on, it's hilarious." That's not funny. I don't understand why that's. I'm like, come on, man. 
and I wrote it on I wrote it on the whiteboard. I wrote no more Cheerios, and he's like, it looks like it says Cheerios, and I'm like, it doesn't. He's like, Cheerios, isn't that a cereal in the in the United <laughs> Kingdom? And I'm like, it's a cereal in America, and I think they have it in the United Kingdom. God, he was just confused because of the word Cheerio. As okay, in, so, so yeah, the, exactly, story, exactly. the story that that Tim just told. Yeah, that's yeah. what makes a good postmortem. Uh, it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what have been some good postmortems that you have heard that you could hold up as examples? Yeah, I'm trying to think about that right now. I it's <clears throat> I should have the answer to this, given how I was editor of a magazine that had at least one of them every month for like eight years. They were but, all uh, terrible. No, some of them were pretty good. It's just kind of it's kind of hard to remember. I kind of liked. Um, Valve's one of Portal, even though they refused to do it in our format. Portal. Uh, they, they talked a lot, a lot about their process, which for at the time, people didn't yet know exactly what it was Valve was doing to get their games to feel so nice and whatever. So uh, that was a good one. And uh, what else? What else was good? I feel like we ran one once on a game that got cancelled on Gama Sutra. I don't remember what it was though. Yeah. We've they've there have been a few of those. Um there was we did a, a pretty okay one. I thought it was gonna go a little further, but we did a pretty alright one on Golden Axe Beast Rider. Mm. Which yeah. was which was a really bad game and it it basically just told the story of how they got resource starved into oblivion but then the game had to come out and so that it was that was pretty all right it that one had to be written by a former employee because otherwise it couldn't have gotten done there were some times where we had to we would publish something knowing full well that the publisher was going to be mad but we would just deal with the consequences of it because we wanted it to be an actual true story that happened uh at least a dozen times. Then sometimes we would get uh, some kind of situation where it would be like, yeah, okay, I've written this postmortem and we're ready to go. And then they would come back and be like, oh man, uh, if I publish this, then EA is going to sue me. They have said they will sue me. So I guess we're not going to do this anymore. It was always EA that did that. EA did that three times to us. So the key to a good postmortem is make sure you don't get sued. Yeah, make sure you don't get sued, and then it's not an EA game. Next topic. All if, right. If you were on a Chrono Trigger-style time-traveling adventure set in the real world, yeah, who would you recruit from across time into your party to save the planet from ancient evil? Oh, oh. dang. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. The 1979 Chicago Bears were a really solid team. That's yeah. true. Won the Super Bowl that year. And I feel like uh, their offensive line in particular would uh, protect me. So I'm going to go with them. Okay. Uh, um, I'm trying to find the name of this man right now. Uh, he was a sniper in the Finnish Winter War. Nice. Um, and like he, he He was like basically the best sniper of that era and all through World War One and Two, and uh, and at one point he got half of his face shot off by a rival sniper and then kept sniping. Uh, oh wow! 
even after that. So so pictures so that of him. Guy. That yeah, guy. so that that guy, I can't remember what his name is right now. He just sounds like a great RPG character. But yeah, I read all about this dude, and he he was formerly a he was a a hunting farmer guy, mostly hunter, who lived in a remote Finnish village, and it wasn't really even a village. He just lived where there were a couple other cabins nearby, and but when when the Russians came in, he was like heck no, and. Uh, they gave him a they gave him a gun. He was like, "Yeah, I know how to use this," <laughs> and then and then he did it. So that guy. So um, can Carl Sagan could he have uh, summoned meteors? Hmm. Uh, given time, maybe maybe if you went twenty years into the future, at which point he'd have mastered that technology. Okay. Then at that point, I want I want I, uh, assuming uh, meteors, uh, I, I want to go Carl Sagan also because I just kind of want to hang out with Carl Sagan. Sure. Yeah, I like that guy. Yeah. Um, Tim, who are you drafting into your party? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Uh, William Randolph Hearst, I feel, uh, could yeah. influence people really well. Mm-hmm. So uh, he'd be good in my party. I want Dostoevsky just so that we can have conversations. Is that all right? Yeah. <laughs> that's well, I mean, that's why I want Sagan, right? That, like, I, yeah. I tried to figure out a way to make him actually useful in combat, but... You need a party mascot. Party mascot. Dostoevsky oh. is my mascot. Okay. Hmm. Um, who who else would be good? Let's see. I guess I would want a Viking because Vikings are real tough. Mm-hmm. So get Beowulf. Beowulf, but Beowulf's not necessarily real, is he? He was probably he, he might real. have been a bit real. Eric the Red rough. seemed pretty tough, but he didn't really care about a lot of dudes, so. He might not help. Well, yeah, he's yeah sort like of one dude who cares about dudes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like I was thinking about Genghis Khan, but he's just gonna like, he's just gonna have sex with everything. Oh man, Bruce Lee. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus Lord, yeah. Bruce Lee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah Bruce Lee. Uh, Bruce Lee never publicly displayed his uh, kung fu abilities. He he would not take someone on in a real fight. Well, he's here's never, the thing, though. We're talking maybe, about the fate of the universe. Maybe he didn't have practical. Uh, he might not have had practical applications of his. So, so I bet he did. Go one rung up and uh, recruit Itman. Yeah, yeah I Ip think Man. I think you'd be better off with Itman. I think you'd be a lot better <laughs> off with him. I'm not sure though. Because there are there are historical records of him beating dudes up. Yeah, uh, that's true. Like, and he he ran a school, which means uh, it's I don't know, man. I don't know. I seen that army. Man, you I know what? I would take movies. the both of them and then just prove it once and for all. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, kick out the one who doesn't win. I'm pretty sure it man uh, was. He's hard. gonna win that fight. Yeah. Uh, I'm, how about... sure he... I'm gonna yeah. go with uh, Calamity Jane also in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, for variety, I want I want a female in my party. Yeah. And uh, and I just think she'd look cool in a lineup with uh, the Chicago Bears from 1979 and Carl Sagan and William Randolph Hearst. Now, which of the Chicago Bears from 1979 would be her love interest? Oh, I don't actually know any of their names. Okay. Captain Uh, McBear. Um, (laughs) How about uh, some questionably magic guys, like an Aleister Crowley? Oh, yeah. I would would definitely take Crowley. I would take Merlin. I would also take... Mm. um, If we're talking about divine powers, I'm going to take Joan of Arc. Mm. Moses... Moses, ah, uh, Moses, I can take or leave. Got the plagues. Mm. Whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> Moses isn't real. 
All right, fine. Moses isn't real. Moses uh, could have been real. He could I mean, have been real. Who knows? Who knows how real Moses was? Um, yeah, I would. I would only. I would pick a bunch of people who were sort of practical. Um, I guess. I mean, I have. Oh God, I just have like way too many that are in my head at the moment. When like as soon as you ask the question, shoot some of them at. Yeah, you haven't said any yet. Come on. Yeah, I want to. I want to try and. I just I, I I think this is a cool question, so I'm trying to make sure my answer is the best. Keep keep in mind we don't have a whole lot of time. Yeah, we got oh, about forty seconds left. Oh, 40 seconds, huh? Do it. Yeah, thirty-five. Man, yeah. Well, let's just go ahead and say no. I, I guess I <laughs> guess I can't. I guess I'm not gonna think of a really good one. That's too. I bad. was just uh yeah. I mean, hey, tell you what, Tim, I'm gonna give you a special dispensation if you think of somebody later in the show. You can just go ahead and shout it out. Oh, uh, how about at the end of the show, I will present a seven-person party. That is perfect. Oh, that's okay. exciting. Yeah, oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, we have that to look forward to. I'm yes. just going to say one more, okay. which is uh, my great-grandfather, who was a World War One fighter pilot ace, and I feel like he's going to be real invested in me staying alive. And mm. that's, and oh, sure. And real well. I, I like that pick. It's yeah. uh, very personal. It adds drama to the party. Personal and, and practical. Yes. And uh, for similar lineup reasons to Calamity Jane, I'm going to put uh, Jimi Hendrix in my party. <laughs> sure. Oh, uh, yeah, Jimothy. Hang on, I've got yeah. a package. Okay. 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 Is he talking going. about his uh, penis when he says that? He is talking about his genitals, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, topic number three. What would you consider your largest critical blind spot? And uh, to be clear, was that in games or in general? In games, in assessing yeah. games. Okay. Like, what do you tend to overlook? Um, That's tough. Unless the music's really bad. I don't... I, I, I'm pretty easy on music. <sighs> uh, because uh, in most of the games I play, anyway, the music's just kind of incidental. And if it doesn't stand out, I don't notice. So, I think uh, that I'm I'm not as critical as I could be of level design if the action is swift and and fluid. So like if 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 things are real responsive, it will take me a lot it'll take me longer to figure out that there's no level design here sometimes. So that's that's I guess that's kind of one. Um, it, it doesn't have to be things that you're uh, that you think you could devote effort to more. Uh, it could just be stuff that matters to a lot of people that doesn't matter that much to you. Wouldn't it be the app? Mm, well, that's that's I mean that's how I answered it. Right. Like the the score doesn't tend to matter to me too much unless it's just you know. Stand out bad. Yeah. Um, well, meanwhile, I know people who will play awful games just because they love the composer. I think while I'm making games, I can sometimes get get it in my idea in in my head that an idea is good, even though I have very little evidence to prove that it is a good idea. And then I show it to people, and I realize that as much as I liked it, nobody understood it. So that is a that is, I guess, that's that's different since it's while making yeah. them, but that's yeah. most that's, prominent in my mind right now. That's the opposite of a blind spot. That's seeing something that may not be there. 
Okay, um, in old games, in old games where you jump, I'm uh, I'm pretty blind to bad jumping sometimes because uh, I guess I just played so many you know eight bit games that had bad jumping that I I uh, have a hard time thinking of some jumps as bad as opposed to just thinking that's how the jump is in this game. That's interesting. That's that's the opposite of the first one I said. Yeah, that's true. Because if the jumps are good, then I'll I'll uh, sometimes ignore bad level design for a while. So yeah. cool. We should combine. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be we'll be so we'll be the best critic. Three hundred sixty okay. degree vision. <laughs> um, what else? I tell you, one bl- uh, blind spot that I don't have is bad localization. Um, yeah. yeah. That biz drives me up a wall. When has bad localization ruined a game for you? Every every time I've played a Japanese game in the last twenty years. No, that's not true. <laughs> but um, it's every time I play an at, an Atlas game, it doesn't ruin it for me, but it definitely takes the experience down a notch when there's like a there's a professor saying anyways. That oh uh, yeah. That just oh. you know it's like maybe maybe don't do that I guess. So many words bother me. Uh, yeah. In in games, for example, towards, forwards, yes. backwards. Yeah. Those aren't even real words. Forward, toward, backward. You don't put an s on the end of them. They Seriously. do in the UK, though. Oh well, stupid people in the UK do. Smart people don't. Yeah, yeah. like like maths. Come on, come on. No Some smart stuff. person puts an s on the end of the word backward. Yeah, those no people smart are eating too many Cheerios. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Cheerio. Legos. Legos. Um, uh, Tim, do you, do you have any critical blind spots, or are, is your vision immaculate? Well, um, I don't know. I've kind As of he constructed his glasses. my. Lol. <laughs> I've kind of constructed my whole thing around. Uh, kind of looking at everything and and caring about everything. So, I I don't know. I think it is true that in the past I have, uh, and I mean this is just how how I assess games. Like what what I've determined is a good game. Kind of the old Japanese games kind of appeal to me more in just whatever whatever my sensibility, my unchangeable sensibility might be. I'm sure that it was the old Japanese action games that informed that, so that. Maybe when a game is from Japan and it's old, I'm more likely to like it and I'm more likely to want to compare newer things to it and base what I consider to be a good feeling in a game around that. So I don't know if it's a blind spot or a uh, like a hyper-acute spot, but uh, it's when I'm playing a game that doesn't have a little bit of slide, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of slipperiness, a little bit of friction... A little bit of toughness or hardness, then I I uh, am able to uh, not like it as are, much. Are as there elements that... of video games you've transcended beyond caring about? Um, I guess I like, uh, and I'm I'm sort of able to defend uh, any Dragon Quest game. I think those are all really. I mean, there's a whole lot of BS in those games, but I don't even bother talking about it. Hey, because I, I just like the idea of it so much. I'm really glad you brought that up because my next topic is about Dragon Quest. Oh, really? 
Yeah. I like I like those games a lot. They're some yeah, of cool. my fabs. Right. I can I can take a break. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so Akira Toriyama does the uh, character design for Dragon Quest. Uh, That's true. Dragon yeah. Ball Doctor Slump fame Akira Toriyama. Uh, yeah. But he doesn't do much else. If Akira Toriyama got more involved in production of the series, what would the next Dragon Quest game be like? Oh man. Well, I mean, he would probably want to write the story. I mean, right. assuming he still wants to write stories, which apparently he doesn't. But he would probably write the story, is what I'm guessing. And if he were, uh, if he were some sort of director of it, I mean, if if he were going at it being the uh, the actual director of the game, he'd probably want to make it look even more like one of his comics, which uh, the the current games don't. It's like Dragon Quest X looks pretty cool, right? Uh, the characters look pretty cool, but it's like why can't the landscapes look like Akira Toriyama landscapes? Wouldn't, doesn't that bother him? Does he just not... Does, is he just, does he have so much money that he doesn't bother looking at the games? I don't know. It's just... I think it would be cool if we had these cool, weird, cel-shaded landscapes instead of the weird, blurry, pixely stuff that we still have. I'm going to link one in the chat so that you guys can see what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I just linked it. But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of this blurry... I mean, that's... Yeah, see, it's like, why not make it look as cool as the characters? I don't know. That's that's my thing. I guess because that's a different sort of deal. Yeah, like what with the... That Nino Kuni, they kind of made a game that looks like it was supposed to look like. Yeah, kind of. That game sure is pretty boring, though. I know. Yeah. It's, uh... It's a little, a little. Have you? I don't know if you've played it, Brandon. It's a, it's not. It's just not. Well, I basically watched a person play it, and that uh, helped me determine that I did not really particularly need to play it myself. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like I watched a person play it. That person just happened to be me. Right. So <laughs> that's that's exactly what it felt like. The battle. I appreciate the really uh, giant book it came with, though. That was uh, the Japanese DS version. Yeah, was it the only one? Yeah, that, that the Japanese DS version came with the book. The uh, the other versions did not. I really the, the book was such a good idea, and then I actually I have the book. If you ever want to look at it, it's not that good. It's just a big <laughs> dumb instruction manual. It's like Aww. not even. It's like it was supposed to be some weird Studio Ghibli film artifact thing, but it's just it's just a big dumb hardback instruction manual. No, that's disappointing. The yeah. commercials made it look like it had so much promise. Yeah, it has so much promise of dumbness. Oh, no. Yeah. So I think Akira Toriyama would be cool if he uh, if he were to make a game. Because uh, he wrote some really cool stories, you know, in his Dragon Ball. Yeah, weren't we talking about this last time? How he would be a good dude to make a video game? Maybe. Yeah. I believe we were. I think we've uh, mentioned it in passing before. He's uh, he's he can really construct a narrative in a compelling way, I think. And uh, it took me a really long time to know that because of how many people there were in my high school just drawing Dragon Ball Z in their in their notebook, uh, just drawing Goku, and and basically looking about the same. As as 
real Goku, and I was like, man, this is obviously yeah. garbage. Here is a literal thought that I had when I was in sixth grade. I am not embellishing. Uh, I was uh, just thinking about Dragon Ball Z, and yeah. I was talking about mm-hmm. it with a friend of mine, and here is what I thought word for word. If there is ever a point in my life where I just don't like Dragon Ball Z anymore, I yeah. won't even know who I am. And oh, that came true. I didn't. Uh, there was a point where I didn't like it that much anymore, and I don't really know who I am. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really sad, too. Yeah, it's yeah. too bad. you got to figure that out. Oh, someday, Brandon. <laughs> I think it would be cool if they let uh, Akira, if Akira Toriyama were to be in charge of Dragon Quest, they would make... So, I mean, they've already gone and made a portable, multiplayer-heavy Dragon Quest. Dragon yeah, Quest did anybody like that, by the way? Yeah. Um, I liked it for a little bit, and then uh, eventually, when I got to the end of it, and it's like, it's over, and now you get to enjoy the infinite... Diablo-like quests, and then me and Stabo once played it for like literally 16 straight hours multiplayer, and it was actually really fun, but it's like we would need to get two more people in here and jerk around with this if we want to have more fun with it, and it's like, I thought it would be cool if it was online, and then they made a massively multiplayer online game Dragon Quest X, which I will probably never play, Um, I think the next thing they could do, because they seem to be doing a lot of things to make their fans mad, the next <laughs> thing they could do would be uh, an episodic game. So Dragon Quest XI could be episodes, but that would actually be the I think best that would thing. Be, I don't think that but would make anyone would too mad. Every, would every it episode would... start with a recap of the last episode and end with a preview of the next episode? Heck yeah, why the heck not? I, I actually think the Japanese fans would be really mad. Because to them, they get really mad whenever a Dragon Quest game is not announced as being a new game on the newest system in uh, the highest quality of graphics with uh, uh, guaranteed like 80 hours, single player, one game. That's all they want. Yeah, they because want that they single player. Yeah, when they announced that Dragon Quest Nine was a DS game, people were just infuriated. They announced it was an action game for the for the DS and people were infuriated and then they were like well okay now we're just we're going to make it turn based for you guys because that's what you wanted and then uh then they were like well we're still mad because it's got downloadable it was all about the DLC so i bet they would make it for the Wii U and it's got DLC uh episodes but they won't make it for the Wii U because the Wii U is not selling well enough so i bet Dragon Quest 11 will be for the 3DS yeah, 3DS seems like yeah, the way to go. More oh, like man, 3D suck. I'm a game for, for the Wii U right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's weird. It is really weird. And so I, you know, I asked him, why? Why are you making a game for the Wii U? And he's like, oh, you know, I just, I like Nintendo. <laughs> that's like that's, that's the only right. answer. That's the only that, answer I've ever heard. For it's the only answer I have ever ever heard. And actually, um, I will be uh, in my article that I'm writing that's going to go up in a little while on Gama Sutra. I'm going to be revealing some some numbers for probably the first time, not on Wii U, but on uh, 3DS eShop of what a few developers and publishers have actually made and what they've told me is possible to make and. Uh, 
So that'll be real fun for Nintendo to read. <laughs> because then, Nintendo knows already, but the rest of the world didn't know. Keep your eyes on that. Next so, topic. Jaffe, uh, whatever it is you're doing, we can hear it. All the okay. scraping and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, the, you got those ghosts in there again. All right, I, I'm busting those ghosts. Rest in okay. peace, Harold Ramis. Yeah, bust those. Right, none of them. All right. Uh, what game or games first convinced you to take smartphones seriously? Ooh. Well, I played that Cannabalt on the Flash, and I was like, this is a cool game. It's got really good feelings to it, and it has a nice atmosphere. And then they're like, that was the day that the iOS version came out. I hadn't played it on the... Uh, uh, forgive me, I had not played the Flash version before the iOS version came out. And then I played the Flash version and the iOS version in the same day. And that was actually the first game I bought for my iPhone. And I was like, this is cool. I bought it when it was $3. I was like, heck yeah. It's also my first game on the iPhone. I don't remember what I paid for it. But it's also the first, I don't know, to me it's like the first smartphone game You know, that, that's, that felt like uh, it could only exist on a smartphone. Even though, yeah, there was a Flash version. Yeah, you can make it a one-button game with any button you want. It just doesn't feel right unless I'm touching. Like, I feel like I need to touch it. Um, I'm having a hard time thinking of the answer here. Uh, but I... So I I never owned an iPhone and, and still do not own an iPhone. So it was a little later for me. I have this iPad here. And I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to see iPad. what iPad. But I had an iPod Touch before that. Oh, an IPT. That the first game I played on there significantly was Xenonia, mm-hmm. which is a Korean RPG that uses action RPG that uses um, like a fake D-pad and buttons, and so that. That, I, I guess I shouldn't say that that was the game that made me take it seriously because that was a game that didn't belong on there that I just played a lot. Um, Zenonia. So for me, it was probably later things like Zaga 33 or Ridiculous Fishing or stuff that made me feel like, yeah, okay, there's there's stuff that you can only make on here that's good. Um, yeah. It, it For me, I guess it was kind of a slow burn with this mm-hmm. stuff, and for a long time, I just didn't, I just didn't have anything because I didn't have a, didn't have the platform with which to experiment. I don't. So kind I, of by I the don't, time I got there, it was mostly done. I don't believe that you didn't consider smartphones like an important platform for games until Ridiculous Fishing. I can't, I can't believe that. Oh yeah, no. Okay, I don't think that. Uh, I don't mean business-wise. I mean creative. Yeah, no. I, I like. I don't think that I. I don't. Th- I guess I remember a time when I thought that it was not a real thing, and it's like, oh, here yeah. comes another guy going to make iOS games. Yeah. But I, I think that that time stopped before I got a device that mm-hmm. could do it. I remember actively in the uh, double aughts uh, being a uh, cartoon character in some kind of uh, period piece set in 2006. Uh, one of those guys who reads a newspaper and says, "Games on phones, that'll never work." Ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I just played a bunch of games on the phones, and I was like, "Well, hey, they're all really cool." You know, there's why, n- why not? You know, yeah. 
I remember when the uh, Nintendo came out, and my dad's like, "What's the deal with that? They already made video games on goddamn Atari, you know? Why are they Why are they still making more of them?" I mean, I remember my dad being like that when me and my brother wanted a Nintendo for Christmas, and it's like, I played. I mean, I I just hadn't really thought of phone games. Um, I don't know. Remember, we went to Tokyo Game Show a bunch of times, you and me, Brandon. Remember, and yeah, uh, every remember time that. there was uh, some big old booth that was uh, all full of. Phone games. It was like some FOMA games for uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Docomo and whatever. And the booth just kept getting bigger and bigger because people were just emptying buckets of money into the whole idea of having a game on your phone, turning every yeah. phone into a game console. And I remember us being cynical about it, and Christian Nutt being cynical about it, and we're just all like, "What's the? Why do this? Why does this booth keep getting bigger?" And then, uh, I mean, yeah, I just I played Cannibalt on my iPhone, and I was like, "Hey, I like this." You know, I don't even care that it's a tiny little multivitamin of a game, that it's not even like a, you know, a full course meal or whatever Hideo Kojima would call Metal Gear. You know, it's like, I just, I think, it, I, I'm having a good time here, and I don't see why this isn't a great idea, you know? I mean, I, mean, I think, so I I think it's it possible kinda... that it started for me in the feature phone days when uh, when that game Nom came out uh, from Gameville, and I, I really thought that it was cool idea, and I was really into the idea of one-button games and stuff, um, yeah. and I think I think that was, that kind of got me on board, and Sword and Sorcery was, was one of those where it wasn't, it didn't excel as a game, but it excelled as an experience, and that was cool. Yeah, I had an experience with that one. I yeah. like that game. Yeah. I think but that was I, actually I, one of the, my favorite game games, too, but I mean, I guess it's not a game game to a lot of people. Right. I still remember um, how people would hound, well, both of us, but mostly you, Brandon, um, mm. when, when we'd be at GDC or something, uh, when, when uh, one of us would, in a talk or something, mention mobile games, and it's like every mobile game company in the joint would just swarm you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. like, oh, these guys. Because yeah. <laughs> like, no one would take them seriously. Us yeah, and... nobody wanted to talk to them. So <laughs> if, you, if you had any, any vague interest... It was like, well, <laughs> guess we're talking to you forever now. Yep. Yeah, I remember Brandon always being excited about portable game consoles. Yes. Just always like the the NGP, not the NGP. What was it called? The, the, yeah, the uh, GP32 the and the GP2X and all that yeah. garbage. Yeah. I was really excited when the PlayStation 2 had that little add-on you could put on it. That uh, it was a screen you could attach right to the console. It's like that's it. You don't need a TV anymore. Yeah, yeah that was the end of. I remember TV. that that being a cool thing. And uh, I haven't had a TV since. But I mean, who who actually who actually bought one of those though? Kind of weird weird people, right? Yeah. So uh, See, I'm just playing this this gravity hook on my my phone right now. Mm -hmm. Adam Saltzman, if you're listening, can you? Uh, why not optimize it for iPhone 5, please? You know, it would be nice to have a little extra real estate. Just saying, you know. Every so often at uh, podcast.insertcredit.com, I get a little comment which accuses me of uh, using this uh, format of asking you guys questions to handle my own issues and hash out things that <laughs> pertain really? specifically to me. Uh, yeah. That's uh, so good, I'm not making any phones about it. This next question is specifically because I have a problem and you guys are the only ones who can solve it. Nice. So I'm putting together this uh, arcade museum. 
Uh, you, you mm. made, I, I don't think I've mentioned this before. Okay. I've made a few attempts. Uh, oh, they, yeah? They've gone sour before now. I've got a few games to start out, and they have mm-hmm. to be a specific theme. I'll tell you what I'm starting out with. Maybe I'll add some more as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can tell me if you come up with any games that you can bring along that will fit with it. Uh, my first three games are Bomberman, mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, and Virtua Tennis. It's Bomberman, Tomb Raider, and Virtua Tennis. What's the theme? <laughs> well, <laughs> you can't just ask me, man. <laughs> Bomberman. Well, see, I was going to think it was games that have OMB in the name. Yeah, I was as well, <laughs> but not anymore. Uh, <laughs> Bomberman, Virtua Tennis. Tomb, Tomb Raider. Raider. The original Tomb Raider? Tomb Raider. Um... Is Let's it the original see. Tomb Raider, or is it the remake titled Tomb Raider that just came out this year? The original Tomb Raider. Not uh, both of them. Could no. I bring the original Mario Brothers? No. Could I bring Bomberman 2? No. Okay. Um, could I bring... Wait, no. So, could I bring so Virtua so Fighter 2? Um, sorry, what was that? Virtua Fighter 2? Uh, no. Could I donate... Uh, Miss Pac-Man. No. How about Pac-Man? No. Dang. Mm-hmm. Okay, give the give the listeners at home a little bit more time to uh, ruminate before dropping the next game that I have here. If okay. Bomberman were not there, could we do? Could we swap Bomberman two for Bomberman? No. Okay. Specifically, Bomberman can be there, but Bomberman two cannot. All right, another game that I'm bringing is NCAA Football 2004. NCAA Football 2004? Yes. Oh, God. Hmm. Bomberman, Tomb Raider. Virtua Tennis. Virtua Tennis. Virtua Tennis 1? Virtua Tennis 2? Virtua Tennis. What about the European version, uh, Power Smash? No. Okay. Just checking. Hmm, 2004. Yeah. What about Altered Beast? Altered oh. Beast. That is a good one, but no. Alt B. Okay. What about uh, um, Bomberman, Tomb Raider? What about Crash Bandicoot? Hmm. I would not let you bring Crash Bandicoot, but here's a hint. I would let you bring Crash Nitro Kart. Crash Nitro Kart. Okay. Well, that's confusing. I like Crash Nitro Kart. And here's another game I'll let you bring. How about Jack X Combat Racing for PlayStation 2? Jack X Combat? No, absolutely not. Oh, god damn. And next game. Uh, The next game is The King of Fighters Extreme. Extreme. Mm-hmm. On GBA, yeah. Mm. Well, uh, that's what it came out for. Mm. As far as I recall. Mm. Are you talking about that? Let me, let me give it a look. Mm. K-O-F-X. Uh, virtual oh, it was, on, it was on God Darn Engage. Oh, no. Uh, King of yeah, Fighters okay. can I bring? Can I bring... Uh, Pandemic? Yes, you can bring Pandemic. Uh, no, you can't bring Pandemic. Why not? Oh, man, he just burned you. 
I almost had it. Uh, could I bring... Spider-Man? Um, not Which Spider-Man, Spider-Man, no. Not Spider-Man. What about Activision's Spider-Man 2? Yes, you can bring Activision's Spider-Man 2. Really? Yes. Okay, uh, yeah. Well, for the for the PlayStation, that is. Mm. Uh, I want to bring... Um, Pocket Kingdom. Pocket Kingdom, yes. You can oh, for the, Pocket Kingdom. for the N-Gage? Yeah. The yeah. end gauge, huh? The yeah. end gauge, huh? All right, you guys have already gotten it. It's all games which were released for the end gauge. Yep. Yeah. I sure did. Congratulations, you actually beat it for the first time. I did this one. I did yeah, it. Yeah, you it. did it, Brandon. You won. King of Fighters Extreme. Man, Virtua Tennis for the end yeah. gauge. If you didn't awful. get, if you didn't get that one, the next giveaway would have been Pathway to Glory, which was their big uh, exclusive. Oh, BWTG. Yeah, yeah, they're. So, uh, <laughs> that was supposed to be their killer app. So, Blaine, if you could pump in some victory music for Brandon right here, that would be really nice. Yeah, I'm the best guy. I have all of those games on my Engage. <laughs> all right. Uh, here's a question from Vincent Toops. Cool guy. Oh, VToop. Yeah. He says, design a non-violent video game using the Doom IP. Do my do, pee. Do my pee. Do my pee. So how, how are we going to define non-violent? You don't kill anybody. You don't shoot anybody. So you're just uh, you're building a fortress? Wait, but then if the... Hmm. You're building a, building a Mars base? Yeah. You I kind of want to do something where you're like... I mean, I guess violence could happen to you, maybe. No. Yeah, violence can happen to you. I asked. Because I, w- I was thinking it, it might be fun to be a uh, caco demon, mm-hmm. just floating around, and I don't know, trying to pick up groceries for your kids or something. And, the, and yeah. there's a man yeah. with, a, with a giant railgun with a BFG who's shooting at you, and you're just like, man, man, I'm just trying to get some groceries for my kids. Right. I don't know if that's no. fun, but that was the first thing that came to mind. The first think, thing. Uh, oh yeah. The first thing that came to my mind was uh, you play as one of those screaming faces on the wall texture, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a social simulator where you kind of have to become the leader of your clique of screaming faces and maybe oh, date some other screaming faces. Wait, I've, I've, I've got one that I think I would enjoy playing, um, or somebody would because I'm not very good at stealthy things, but it would be really cool to be like the guy that's hiding all the secrets. You're actively hiding all the secrets. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. and like making, making, hiding stuff in the walls and, and rerouting things to, to try to fool Doom Guy. And, and the more, the fewer secrets he gets, the better you're doing. Yeah, I was thinking, like, my game would be, like, whoever it is that placed all the power-ups and stuff everywhere just randomly was like, I think some ammo goes right here. Mm-hmm. Like, like what, how, what, who's that guy? Yeah. Why is he doing that? So that's what I was thinking. Is, is he right. a hero or a menace? Yeah, I was exactly. Thinking, uh, I was menace. thinking it could just be uh, like once the game is over and you've saved everybody, it's just you're like the janitor just cleaning the place up. Oh, that, yeah. That could probably be pretty all right. Somebody's got to drain these uh, uh, toxic acid tanks. You're driving a bulldozer around and you're just uh, pushing <laughs> everybody. 
so, everywhere. Isn't you know, there like this uh, intense looking first person janitor game that I saw recently? Oh yeah, I did see that. So you know how in Doom Three you have to switch between using a flashlight and a gun? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. What if you didn't have the gun? And you just have to switch between using the flashlight and not using the flashlight? Yes, that's my idea. <laughs> I actually was uh, in the process of making a video game like that in Poland with some with some folks when we were doing a little game jam. It was kind of Little Red Riding Hood themed just because that's easy. And um, there were wolves approaching you from all angles. And any wolf that you had in your... Uh, in your flashlight beam would stop, but none of the other wolves would. Oh boy. Uh, and so you basically have to, you're constantly like backing away from things. Also, it was for the Oculus Rift, and uh, and your battery would, would was like a hand crank. Uh, like your, your flashlight was one of those hand crank flashlights, and so you would have to look down at your flashlight to crank it up. Um, so it was, it was, it was all that risk-rewardy stuff, what with the the flashlight, and, and you you would just eventually get eaten by a wolf, but you would try to survive as long as possible. Wow. That's yeah. intense. Should finish making that game. That was kind of fun. Maybe make it a Doom game. Should make it a Doom game is what I should do. Yeah, you could get that IP. Yeah, I could get that. John, on the end gauge. <laughs> I'll put it on the end gauge. Why, why the heck not? Tim? Hey, there he is. Hey, what's up? Uh, what Doom games would you make without any violence? The janitor one. The janitor I think one. The janitor one's probably okay. But then again, yeah, there is somebody making some sort yeah. of like horrendously boring looking uh, game. I think, uh, man, I don't know, making a game that's like about designing a Doom level because Doom levels are so nuts. They're just yeah. so weird. Yeah. But then again, you know, that's not really non-violent. It's like maybe you're just building tunnels. You're just digging tunnels, and you're just building rooms. Hell builder. So it's like Minecraft in hell. Yeah. Yeah. Hellcraft. Maybe uh, you know, because you're trying to find stuff. You know, or I mean, they they have that base on Mars where they're trying to they're trying to do something there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you'd have to read the books and. Uh, Experience the extended universe to understand what it is they're doing, but yeah, it it could be set in the base on Mars and just like a regular day where hell hasn't opened up. Yeah, yeah, it would just be like a regular day before that happens. Right. And then at the very like at the end, it's just like yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it's a regular day there, and you're like a courier. And you got to go through all these weird because those tunnels and, and seekers and stuff existed on Mars before Hell opened up for some right. reason. Yeah. So like yeah. you're a courier having to deliver packages between like Mars-based personnel and having to navigate these weird passages. Yeah. And you find out the sinister secret as to why they are there. <laughs> call call it Doom Courier. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> courier my game, courier so of Doom. Yeah. Courier of Doom is the name of it. Courier of Doom, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> yeah, you just you have a couple of minutes to yeah, just really tight time limits, just running around and uh, you gotta just learn your way around this massive, huge labyrinthine. Yeah, Wait. yeah, it's like crazy taxi on foot in Doom. Huh? Yeah, I like that. 
Uh, uh, And there's no mini-map, no no navigations. It's all just learn where stuff is and then take on missions. Uh, Some elements of this topic uh, weave themselves into this next topic. How may one better themselves as a level designer? Oh, God. Make a bunch of levels. That's that's the main one. But um, also play a bunch of levels that are good and try to figure out why. Um, But I guess... Like trying to make an interesting Doom level is probably a pretty good exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because those those are they're pretty complicated. They can get labyrinthine and they they move around and do all. I mean, they they cross themselves and stuff like that. So I guess that's pretty pretty good way. Uh, we'll play bad games too. Um. Yeah. Play play ba- poorly designed games and figure out why they're bad is probably the best thing you can do. Well, I don't know if it's the best because it doesn't teach you how to do it well. So, but it's a it's a it's a one it's one of the good things you can do. I mean, yeah, play a bunch of way forward games and think about how much cooler they would be if they had level design. Yeah. Play a bunch of bad ones. Play a bunch of badens. And uh, play that badden uh, two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad, bad in 2004. <laughs> yep. play, play some real gross ones, I would say. Uh, so what's the master class of level design? Mm. The master class? Yeah. Well, Or what's the master curriculum of level design? I mean, probably, you want to see some level... What? Go for it. I was going to say, probably like Super Mario Bros. 3 and Doom mm-hmm. would, would be... Like, Doom would be 101 and... Mario would be 102, and then and then you'd have some other stuff. I would say that the uh, the very first dungeon from the new Zelda game for 3DS is a very good example of action game level design that is sort of uh, exploration based, but sort of not. Uh, if you want to talk 3D level design, uh, the original Metroid Prime is one of the best things on earth to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to talk about multiplayer game level design, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has really, really solid multiplayer maps that are kind of amazing when you figure they're designed for large groups of people to be in them. I mean, there's a lot of different types of level design. But you could write a whole... I mean, I think the the junction point of all of that is uh, that new Zelda. That, I thought that you were going to say... First dungeon. I thought you were gonna say Warren Spector's video game. Coach. No, let's not even let's let's not even uh, give that guy credit for that phrase. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah. it's actually it's it's actually a group of words that can be used to discuss things. Oh, I am and, aware. Uh, if you're gonna make a name of a video game company, try try thinking of something. <laughs> Action button entertainment. That's a good strong name. It's an American name. It has the word good, button good, in it. Good strong American name. Um, I mean, there's a lot of games that have. Uh, I mean, so you start talking about level design, and level design is uh, is what happens in a level. It's uh, how it happens. It's where it happens. It's the pacing of things happening. It's when when stuff kind of, uh, you know, because you have you have slack points and you have choke points and you have bottlenecks. Uh, if you play Uncharted 2, uh, kind of the middle section of Uncharted 2 has what I would call really good level design for an action game. I mean, it's still AAA and it's roller coastery. Um, Bioshock Infinite has what I would call uh, 
basically, you can just put together a real big list of common level design mistakes from Bioshock Infinite because it's it's just got these big slabs of places that are just kind of slopped out there, and uh, they 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 try to be intricate and they try to have little little weird contests going on multiple layers and all that. But uh, yeah, man, that new Zelda, that first dungeon of that new Zelda, it'll take you a half an hour from start till the end of that dungeon. That should just go ahead and show you. I mean, you could write a whole goddamn textbook about that dungeon. Maybe I will. Heck yeah. And Super Mario 64 is pretty good as well, as far as 3D game level design goes. Uh, the very first Tomb Raider, I think, had some good, what I would call traditional level designs that worked in 3D. It was more of a, the pace of an adventure game. Uh... Yeah, really I care a, a lot. About... A whole lot of Zelda dungeons, not just the new one, right? Well, no, no, not just the new one. But uh, if you're looking for an absolutely perfect example of super well paced and understandable and enjoyable and breezy level design, I would say the very beginning of the new Zelda, straight up through till the end of the first dungeon, is a uh, is a really good, really good sample, a really good taster. I mean, it's yeah. got everything that was ever good. E- everything that was ever good about Zelda level design is just all there. Oh, I thought you were going to stop it at everything that was ever good. No. Everything that yeah. was ever good, that's... Uh, yeah, it doesn't so have pizza in it. So. Yeah, there's no pizza in there. They ain't if got they no some, pizza. They don't have no pizza, I don't want to eat Um mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers 3 also, just every single level is... This, uh, the levels, uh, somebody recently was telling me, oh, I played Super Mario Brothers 3 recently, I hadn't played it for a while, and the levels are all just so short, man, they're just like, you know, just so short. It's like, yeah, they're, they're short, you know, and then somebody else might have a complaint if they go to a, you know, fine dining restaurant, and there's like, oh, there's not that much food, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's yeah. the same thing. Uh, I hate to compare Super Mario Brothers 3 to uh, to fine dining, but uh, there it is. All Some right. of those levels are really small, and it's just everything is masterfully placed, and they're all interesting. Every single level in that game, and there are like 90 levels. It doesn't every, waste your time. Yeah, every single level has something different. There's not a single level that doesn't do something different involving... It could just be the placement of an element or two, but I would study that game a whole bunch, and I would study Metroid Prime and, I guess, Nintendo. Metroid Prime 1, Zelda A Link Between Worlds. I mean, go ahead and play the whole thing. It's pretty good. And uh, Super Mario Bros. 3 is a pretty good place to get started. And then you have to play something bad. You know, you, you, you've you got to play something with bad level design. What's your example? God, I don't know. Game with bad? I, I, think, I think a couple... Man, I don't want to... Uh, 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 I don't know. I mean, there's just too many of them. Um, I mean... I guess, like, the first Doom is not really bad level design, but it's just, like, it's really huge and really busy, and it's just get a key and unlock this door, and 
people always uh, they they link. There's there's this handy image that kids link on in forum comments all the time, where it's like FPS level design in 1993 was like this, and in 2012 it's like this, and it's like the 2012 one is just like a straight line. You guys have probably seen that. I have uh, seen it. There's, I mean that that is the truth, but uh, I'm not saying that the straight line is better or worse. I'm just saying that the 1993 huge giant jumble of stuff to get lost in wasn't exactly the best thing. Nope. Yeah. Wasn't exactly the best thing. I don't I like getting lost, and uh, I don't like ever having to check a map. And in those days, of course, there wasn't even the option to check a map, and I would get lost a lot. Yeah, it was, it was just get lost and scream a lot. I remember playing the game The Bard's Tale on PC, and that's More like that's The Nard's an... Tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more like The Tard's Bale. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was a lot of getting lost. Super Mario Brothers three, we got Doom, we got uh, Link Between Worlds, uh, Super Mar- uh, Metroid Prime, Super Mario sixty four, just Nintendo in general. That and then, like- uh, and then you want to play uh, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare two for the the multiplayer. All right, probably Titanfall. I haven't played enough Titanfall, but I'm pretty sure Titanfall is. Uh, is uh, some of the best level design that's ever been made for a game, just based on what I've seen. I've watched, obsessively watched a lot of videos of it. They got stuff in there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like the best stuff. And then the last thing you want to do is just go ahead and play Miss Pac-Man a whole bunch. I've, and, got, uh, I've got a yeah. news item topic for you. So you learn that, that level design is also just in the... Uh, emergent situations that happen when you have a couple of different enemies with different behaviors, and then Miss Pac-Man is just—it's really enlightening for that. And Pac-Man Championship Edition. The end. All right. Uh, the video game world shook when Sonic the Hedgehog was recently redesigned to be wearing a scarf. Yeah. What item of clothing or accessory would you add to the redesign of a video game character? Oh, baby, I would put a bow in Pac-Man's head. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, that's, I would you know, that's funny because I was just gonna, I was gonna say eyeliner on Miss Pac-Man. That's what I would do. I would give uh, Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank big bushy eyebrows. Oh, <laughs> I would yeah. give Jack from the original Jack and Daxter a tiny little disgusting, goatee. horrible, gross-looking goatee. That is a good <laughs> idea. Um, um, let's see what. Did, Game characters even look like now. Like, are there game characters? Or are they just dudes now? They, they, they're, they just, all, they're just they, character creators. So they all look I would, like Nathan Drake. It's yeah. it's what sliders would we put in our character creator? <laughs> right. Um, um, I want to have a Cro Magnon brow. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would. Uh, okay, like kind of a serious answer. If if I were to for some reason doing, like, a new Alan Wake, I'd make him kind of chubby. I'd make him a yeah. chubby writer. You know, yeah. I'd, make him, I'd make him look like a normal dude with, like, a sweater and a bit of a gut. That's what I'd do. Cause, like, he's a, he's a little too sexy to just be some writer who, get, who stumbles into adventure. He, he should just be kind of, you know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't look like someone who takes care of himself. He should look like someone who, you know, has a whopper once in a while. Yeah. So a little I, more that's what I would do. Lesser the unlikely, uh, uh, I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I would give Lester the Unlikely a fedora. <laughs> well, yeah. Mo- modern Lester the Unlikely yeah. should have a fedora. I'm into that. Okay. Uh, what What about modern leisure suit Larry? What's the equivalent of a leisure suit? Oh, um, oh. Probably one of those button-up short sleeve shirts that's black and has like flames on it. Oh, Guy Fieri Larry. Yeah. Guy Fieri Larry. Wow. I would give, uh, I would give Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog iced tips. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. That'd be a good one. <laughs> Sunglasses on the back of the head. Yeah. I can't think of, like, so many of the games that I'm thinking of, I, there's there's really nothing that you need to add to them. Yeah. Um, I guess it might be fun... To do something to one of the Belmonts, but I don't know what. They're just all muscle shirty. Yeah, and they're pretty. I don't know, uninteresting characters to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe Alucard. Alucard's really the one iconic guy. I would give Simon Belmont a bunch of tattoos. Just make him like Yakuza style tattooed up. Like huh. he's that he's been training for this his entire life, and uh, mm. train feel pain, uh, or to not feel pain and stuff, and so he's, he's just got these giant, he's a demon killer, and he's got demons on his back all the time in tattoo form. I, I, would, make, I would make Dracula look like a Frankenstein monster, and just uh, pretend that Dracula was some kind of mistranslation, and was Frankenstein the whole time. Nice. I would, uh, in these modern, these, these Batman games, I would, uh, I would make Harley Quinn less embarrassingly gross as far uh, as, like, her sexy outfit. Yeah. 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 Paul That's Dini. That's a good idea. I would, uh, I would make Mario uh, have, Shave. like, a... I would give him one of his outfits would be a Viking hat. He would have a, a Viking helmet. <laughs> oh, I could see that. Because there was this meat bun T-shirt that was uh, Mario as a Viking riding on Yoshi, who was a dragon. And it mm-hmm. was really awesome, and I wanted it, but they were sold out of the size that would have fit me. So I, I never I could, got it. I could see Mario wearing a goofy, oversized Viking hat. Yeah, the Mario Viking <clears throat> shirt, man. It was awesome. But yeah, I would like Mario wearing a Viking hat, and uh, he could, like, kind of like Wario had a Viking helmet. Yeah, in be... Wario Land, Super Mario yeah, Land. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, would, I, would, uh, I would make. I would actually put Bubsy on all fours and make him look like a cat. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Like that could actually be like I might play Bubsy if if he came back, but he was like a, a normal looking cat with a t shirt on. That's an even closer encounter of the furred kind. I would yes. Yeah. I would I would replace all of the characters in Star Fox oh, cool. with all the characters from Trevor McFur in Crescent Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> How claws is that encounter of the furred kind? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> It gets pretty. That's a pretty close shave, yeah. Uh, so I, that wraps it up for character redesigns. All right. Uh, let's go on to our lightning round. Yeah, let's or do should it. I say our crightening round? Oh, uh, crightening round! Crightening nice. round! Excellent. I am going to give you the name of a short story written by Michael Crichton. Whoa! Yeah, not the books, because you may have prepared for the books. I, 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 I didn't prepare story. for anything. But and uh, by just based on the title of the short story alone, you need to come up with a premise for a video game. Uh, Let's do it. We will begin 
Johnny at 8.30. Johnny at 8.30. Johnny I like, I like, okay, it's, 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 a, it's a Jekyll and Hyde game. Yeah, uh, where uh, you're, you're you're Steve you're Steve during the day, but as soon as eight thirty hits, you become Johnny, and you're you're you have to balance between the two girlfriends that they both have who don't know that they live that they're uh, in a relationship with a shape shifting identity changing man. Wait, does each of them have two girlfriends? That's four girlfriends total. Uh, that's not what I meant to do, but you know why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next game. Well, nothing. Well, nothing. It's, it's it's about it's about a well that uh, babies keep falling into, and uh, so you're an explorer who's like, I'm going to go down that well, and you go down there, and, and it's just, there's just nothing down there, and and you uh, go on a mysterious adventure to find out what happened to the babies. Ooh. I'm on board with that too. Life goes to a party. Oh well, man, the party. So it's you 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 play like a some kind of angel of life. And then you go to a party, and the angel of death is there, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is so awkward!" And you have to, you have to have figure out how to have conversations with as many people as possible while like avoiding the angel of death because uh, you really don't want to have a conversation, but you just got to this party, so you don't feel like you can leave. Yeah, so it's a conversation game. I feel like you could do that with just like Steve and Johnny, though. Like, there's nothing that really makes it about life and death. Except that it's well, I, okay. Maybe maybe the angel of death is uh, slowly killing everyone at the party, and you have to revive them. Why okay. slowly? Oh, you're yeah. Like well, one after another part. is what I mean by slowly. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Methodically. Yeah, methodically. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, good old right. methodical death. The most important part of the lab. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's it's a first-person shooter where uh, you, you're one, you're like a soldier who's got to defend the lab from uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the type of FPS players who kill the scientists. But because and, uh, you're a soldier, you only you, you you give in to whatever orders you're given. Hello. Uh oh, that's no more Frank. No more Frank. It looks like Frank's dead. That's okay. okay. Um. So there's there's a more important part of the lab who uh, you're you're supposed to defend the whole lab, but there's a most important part, and uh, you're not told what it is because you're it's it's all kept confidential. So you just have to sort of look at the lab and figure it out. And just every once in a while, one of the scientists will. Uh, it's just a huge lab full of hundreds of scientists, and every once in a while, one of the scientists. Uh, tries to destroy the lab because there are just like hundreds of spies in the lab. Right. How's that? And so you uh, like the, watch their movements and figure out yeah. which ones are spies and which one, which part of the lab is the most important. I like that. The uh, the thing I was thinking just real quick is that you've got a you got a lab and there's a part of the lab where these mysterious creatures are growing and it turns out they're growing at an ex- exponential rate and. Uh, and you've got to try to figure out a way to contain them, kind of treble with tribbles style. Uh, you just oh, got to yeah. keep them, keep them in there in that most important part of the lab. More uh, like the tribbles with troubles. Yeah. Sure. Villa of assassins. Oh. Villa of assassins. Yes. It's just a whole bunch of dudes just chilling out, and uh, they're in a villa. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, every once in a while, one of them. Uh, Oh, and they've all received orders to kill all of the other assassins. Yeah, they're trying to keep it secret. So it's like, yeah. it's like spy party, except just way more systematically complex. 
Oh wow. Uh, how does that make you feel? Uh, it's it's just a game that uh, uh keeps uh, asking you. you it's, it's it's basically just like a Bioshock Big Daddy boss rush, where you're fighting every Big Daddy in a row, and then uh, after you know it it just ends up in the the little sister. Is, is left afterward and you're asked if you want to save her or not and every once in a while uh, if you choose to save the little sister he, your, your guy will still kill her and then the game will just ask you how does that make you feel <laughs> and it's, that's it just over and over again it's like I was going to say mode. that like it, it's, I was going to say it's like a David Cage game um, and every few minutes David Cage just walks on screen and asks you how that made you feel and you alright let's talk answer. about this he, he pulls out a chair and turns it back <laughs> Let's rap about what just happened. Meanwhile, I was thinking it would just be Milo. Like, they just finished Milo. Yeah. They finished Milo, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, there you and go. And then Peter Molyneux. Peter Molyneux is, is a better example. Of two, I and, uh, yeah. and, and instead of being a long-form, uh, cinematic, story-driven adventure game, it's just kind of like a survival game where... Uh, Milo's just asking you questions constantly, and it's he's just like a survival psychiatry like, game. Yeah, it's like a survival <laughs> psychiatry game, but it's like it's really fast paced to be like, "What should I eat for lunch? Should I have a sandwich, or should I have some eggs and tomatoes?" And you like choose one of those things, and just randomly, one of those things will kill him. It's like Bonky yeah. Track. You know, Bonky Track, where you just don't don't really know, and just one of the choices will always kill Milo. And it's like, and, it, and then it's and then Peter Molyneux comes in, he's like, "That's why you don't eat eggs and tomatoes." <laughs> like that's it. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like he eats it, and he eats the eggs, and there's like there's a razor blade in them, and then he just he chokes and he just throws up blood and dies. Oh my god, I'm grisly death. I am not exaggerating when I and I say that my plan right at the conclusion of this project podcast was to eat eggs and tomatoes for dinner. That oh, baby. Well, now you know not to do that. That's what I'm going It's probably because those are two foods that are on my list of things that is that are okay to eat. <laughs> and uh, we have a similar uh, list of foods that are okay to eat. So it's true, right. yeah. So, so there you have it. <laughs> the Death Divers. The Death Divers. Oh, oh man. man. You have to uh, dive into the River Styx. Uh, to retrieve uh, lost souls. Maybe? Okay, so he, so here it is. In the future, in the year twenty one ninety six, murder is legalized, but only if it's done. No, only only if it's done uh, from a person who has not touched the ground in more than two minutes. Okay. Um, so, so, so you in order to kill someone, you have to skydive out yeah. of the air yes. and land on them. Skydiving uh, murders. Yeah, land on them with uh, with like knives on the bottom of your feet. Oh, I love it. So it's like Super Mario stomping from like thirty thousand feet. Oh, up. Tim, you basically described my dream game. Um, yeah. Much more violent than I pictured it, but you know what? I'm cool with that. The Death Divers. <laughs> The most powerful tailor in the world. <laughs> oh. It's about um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. No, yeah. Oh, JTT. He would so have a, ta- to... a tailor would fight with, what, needles? Like you'd have Tim the needles. Tool Man Taylor. Yeah. yeah. You have scissors and needles. Right? No, no, okay, here's here's what I think it would be. And a tape be. measure. He'd be... swing with a tape measure. No, I, th- I think it's a guy who, who makes... Uh, armor for 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 guys in games, and he 
So he makes all your power-up suits and things like bullet, that. Bullet and so you've, vests and all that. Yeah, so you've got you've got like a, a horde of adventurers coming toward you, and you make them you make them things with materials they bring, and then you see their quests happening elsewhere nice. on the screen. I would like to play that game personally. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, Mousetrap: A Tale of Computer Crime. Whoa! It's a game about mice. Okay, it's, it's a game um, about mice who live in, 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 in a uh, cartoon mouse hole in a, in a vintage computer shop. By vintage, I mean it's a time period in the 80s. Um, and they uh, they have to sneak out uh, past the cat to steal uh, floppies that they'll copy. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Copy don't copy that floppy. Yeah. DCTF. Uh, finally, Blood Doesn't Come Out. Blood doesn't come out. Uh, it's yeah. about uh, a, you're just like okay, so it's one of those surgeon simulator games. Yeah, I was thinking that. Too. But uh, it's just on. It's it's an autopsy simulator on <laughs> bodies whose uh, blood has all uh, kind of kind of congealed and livid. Blood that is livid, as they say. It's kind uh, of I a detective game. I learned the phrase lividity of blood, meaning the blood has pooled in the bottoms of the body. Uh, like in where, like the body's lying on its back, the blood pools in the bottoms of the arms. I learned that from a Michael Crichton short story when I, that I read what, when I was it, a young person. What if blood doesn't so, come out? I don't think it was blood doesn't come out, but uh, it's an autopsy game where you can stab the people and they just don't bleed. Yeah, I think um, like a forensic science thing. You're trying to figure out what killed mm-hmm. these people. Yeah, I'd, I'd have a good time with an adventure game, sort of point-and-click sort of game that is also somewhat of a Phoenix Red game that is about autopsy, uh, and Blood Doesn't Come Out could be the stylish name of this actual not-jokey game idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Well, even though Frank and Tim both did well in this round, I'm giving the game to Brandon because he pieced together the uh, arcade uh, challenge for the first time. So be prepared to bring in the first question next. Wait, week. didn't I also do it the the first the first arcade? Didn't I get that one too? That was uh, the no, one that I I presented. Yeah, that's when Tim did. Oh, you did that one? Yeah. yeah I I I'm I uh, actually designed my arcade challenge to uh, be very solvable. Oh, I yeah, it was it was the one that you did, right? Yes. Okay, I remember. Yeah, I predicted it would be solved in about six minutes, and that's how long it took. Honk. Nice. So that's what we call. Level design. Mm-hmm. Jaffe's was more. Jaffe's are more of a Doom level designs or Wolfenstein level designs. But that's okay. Those are fun. Thanks, thanks, Tim. Uh, you can send your questions in to and your comments about how I'm using this show to uh, uh, to advance my own personal sinister means mm-hmm. uh, to uh, podcast at insertcredit.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Tim's at one zero eight. Frank's at Frank Cifaldi. Sivaldi is spelled C-I-F-A-L-D-I. True. And uh, Brandon's at Necrosofty. It's not T-I-E, it's T-Y. Uh, Tim has a stream that I want to uh, plug. Oh, that yeah. Does on Saturday nights. He did it last week, and we're going to do it again uh, t- uh, this c- upcoming Saturday night, uh, where, where uh, Tim's playing through one of my favorite games of the last console generation, Lost Odyssey. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit on the show. We've mentioned how it's better than Final Fantasy VII. Uh, come on yeah. by and we'll prove it to you. 
So it's, uh, yeah, I'm actually having a really good time with it. I played it for about five hours last week, and you can actually go watch it right now on twitch.tv slash action button. If you click on videos, you can see it's one of the recent... I, I was sure to archive it right after I made it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm having a really good time with it because I find that I, I have a lot of stuff to say, and I've played a lot of 16-bit Japanese RPGs over the last uh, half of my life. So I feel like, God, more than half, I guess since the original Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy I've been playing them, so that's got a ridiculously large percentage of my life. Um, and I'm playing this game, and I find myself with a lot of critical things to say about it, and it's really fun, because I think it's it's actually an entertaining adult-like video game, and uh, I'm aiming to be respectful of it in the uh, in the playing. And I'm, I'm criticizing the stuff I don't like, but I'm being respectful and not being mean or jokey at all, which is weird because it that turned out to get me way more viewers than my streams where I'm mean and jokey. So. And that goes against, uh, you know, common internet logic also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I remember, remember, Frank, when we were playing a game and uh, we got like 100 people telling us to... Or not a hundred, but it was like ten people telling us to stop reading the text off the screen. Yeah, remember they're like, "That's the worst thing for a stream is when people read the text off the screen." Well, yeah. one of the foundational principles of my Lost Odyssey stream is that whenever I encounter one of the short stories in the game, which are written by Kiyoshi Shigematsu and translated by Jay Rubin, and they're like these actual little literary short stories. They're like these short, short stories. Whenever I get to one of those, I have I have vowed that I will read the entire story out loud. Uh, dramatically on the stream, and I didn't lose viewers during any of those. So no, that was great. Yeah, so that goes against the conventional wisdom as well. So, uh, Brandon and Frank, anything you'd like to uh, alert our listeners to? Well, I've been streaming stuff too uh, in a different way than Tim. A little bit, I guess, not that different. I'm just mostly playing through old weird games that I like: PC Engine games, Saturn games, that kind of stuff. Uh, on on original hardware and things. So that's uh, twitch.tv slash Necrosoft Games if you decide that you want to ever look at those. I got some stuff. And uh, I'm I'm in the early planning stages of uh, doing something video game preservation-y that might be a a Patreon or something similar. Because it'd be kind of cool if people were into the stuff enough to pay my monthly bills that I pay to do the stuff by myself. So uh, if you like game preservation and you could spare a few bucks a month, you uh, just watch out for the stuff I'm going to do soon. Oh, I just want to point out that I'm playing Lost Odyssey on the original hardware as well. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, crowd, <laughs> speaking of uh, crowdsourcing, uh, I think there's an Im- I think there's an important thing that uh, we should uh, talk about uh, briefly. Um, a uh, dear member of our little community has uh, been. Uh, uh, see, little yeah. community. Yeah, I, I has uh, been having some medical troubles. Uh, you know about this. Uh, the uh, random boy. Yeah, Brian, Yeah, exactly. Random mm. boy. B boy. I know yeah. that guy. So, uh, Bra- Brand- yeah, Brandon Boyer's been uh, dealing with some pretty ridiculous medical expenses, and uh, uh, he's given a lot to this uh, independent video games community in which we all sometimes find ourselves. 
And uh, I'll drop a link to uh, where you can help out in the Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash IC podcast. Uh, yeah, you can go to the uh, the Humble Bundle and get that new Humble Bundle. It's, uh, what is it, like humblebundle.com uh, slash devolver? Because Devolver Digital has a Humble Bundle that includes one of, uh, yeah, just humblebundle.com slash devolver. If you go there, um, there's a list of these Devolver Digital games that, you can buy, which includes uh, if you if you pledge more than ten dollars, and you can choose how your pledge gets broken down. Um, uh, you can choose to give all of it to Brandon Boyer if you want, or you can give a little bit to Devolver or whatever. But uh, if you buy that bundle, you get Mark Echoes Getting Up Contents Under Pressure for Steam, and uh, I dare say that is one of the best uh, uh, underrated games of the PlayStation Two. Xbox generation. It's very, very interesting. I would like to say it is an insert credit worthy game to that insert credit should like, but I don't know if Brandon or Frank have ever played it. I have uh, not. I was not paying attention. Oh, the game Mark Echo's getting up contents under pressure. Oh, I is, have it. Uh, I have it on my Xbox. Oh uh, well, it's uh, it's part of a uh, a uh, humble bundle that yeah. Devolver is doing for Brandon Blair, and uh, it's it's a really good game. And I guess that's a pretty good reason to buy that game, isn't it? It's basically, if you need me to sell it to you, people of the internet, it is, uh, it is Jet Set Radio, the Hollywood movie adaptation, the video game. And uh, it has a really good, interesting combat system. The combat uh, mechanics are really good and clean. It has a genuinely neat user interface. It takes place in an inventive world. It is a uh, kind of a dystopian science fiction future where... Uh, graffiti is illegal, and the cops are just killing graffiti artists. It's 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 weird. It's it's neat. I really like it. So there's that. All nice right. level design too. Uh, a whole so, lot of games you get for uh, for ten bucks too. Yeah, yeah you looking at that? Yeah, it's a whole bunch of them. So and go, you, can pay, you can pay more than ten bucks if you want. Yeah, and, uh, the uh, you know besides Brandon being a dear friend of ours and needing help and everything, I, I found that the. Uh, the share buttons on his GoFundMe page. It's a uh, it's a really interesting study in in trends. Uh, Three point nine thousand tweets, one point one thousand Facebook shares, thirty three Google Plus shares, and five LinkedIn shares. <laughs> oh, that is interesting. That is in fact quite interesting. And uh, and zero Pinterest pins. <laughs> oh man, that, that means women hate Brandon Boyer. <laughs> oh no. I mean, that isn't the kind of thing you'd pin to Pinterest. You'd normally want to pin stuff to Pinterest that's, like, really happy-looking, right? Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's... Like a new hat or some yeah. flowers. <laughs> let's wrap this up. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And not before, but now, you're playing with podcasts. Podcast over, yeah!